Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Gains for Girls podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. Uh, her name is Dr. Carol Hooven. She is going to be helping us understand how to follow the science, right? The narrative that's constantly being pushed. Uh, she maintained her PhD from Harvard, where ultimately she ended up teaching for 20 years. Here's my interview with Dr. Carol Hooven. So Carol, Dr. Hooven, thank you so, so much for coming on. First of all, I know how incredible you are. Um, we have been around each other. We went on actually Dr. Phil together, which never in my wildest dreams did I think we would ever do that. Um, but we've done some things together. I know how awesome you are. Would you start by just kind of letting the listeners know about you, your background, your expertise, and, and kind of what your knowledge in this whole gender ideology really is? Sure. Thanks. And first of all, thank you so much for having me. I think you're obviously amazing too. So we have a little fan club here. So that's great. But I really appreciate your inviting me on. Um, as far as my relevant background, I earned my PhD at Harvard and my research. First of all, I studied uh, wild chimps in Uganda before I came to Harvard. And that's what really allowed me to see sort of in the raw without human cultures without human culture, the difference between male and female animals. And the males are just a lot bigger and stronger and more aggressive. And that's a fact. And that's a pattern that is relatively consistent across a wide variety of animals, especially in mammals. So that got me really interested in testosterone. So when I came to Harvard for my PhD, that's what I studied. And I really focused on um, certain aspects of cognition and how the sexes differ and what testosterone, what role testosterone might play in that. Um, so then I just stayed on at Harvard and ended up as of um, last year uh, co-directing the undergraduate program in human evolutionary biology and also teaching. So I taught a lot. That was really my passion. And I taught about hormones and sex differences for over 20 years to um, Harvard undergrads. Wow. Um, amazing. So so clearly you're very qualified to talk about um, the topic that that has seemed to affect so many now, which is, of course, the the trans issue, trans debate which shows you that they don't really have our best interests. And when I say are, I don't mean just female athletes. I don't even mean just women. I mean us as a, as a human, as a species, <laughs> they don't have our best yeah. interests at heart, which is utterly terrifying. Yeah. Um, before we get into kind of like the, the testosterone effects, the, the different levels and stuff that different sporting governing bodies are covering, or I, I guess the guidelines that, that they're pushing forward I wanted to start with you because you mentioned two sexes and, and pushback I hear all the time. Again, traveling, whether that's testifying at the state level, the federal level, is this argument, okay, well, what about intersex? And so you mentioned there are two sexes. I constantly hear that there are three and people are indicating that intersex, 
again, um, DSDs, and, and I'll I'll let you go to just briefly an overview of what that really is. Is this a third sex or is this a combination of the two sexes? Yeah, that's a great question. And this misunderstanding is totally under is is understandable. So intersex, first of all, as a term is not particularly helpful in my view. The language around these either differences or disorders of sexual development, DSD, is sensitive and people disagree about the the proper terms to use. Uh, But intersex really implies that one is between two sexes. And that's why I think it's not helpful because in the overwhelming majority of these I'll just uh, of these DSDs in the overwhelming majority, 90 over 99%, there's uh they affect either males or females. And so just so this makes sense, I should say I said something about what be what male and female mean. And it's important to understand that because then you can understand why there isn't a third sex. So it's really, if you look across all of these different species, look across sexually reproducing species there are two reproductive classes and the way that, and we're one of them, and obviously we're mammals and uh, it's very clear in mammals that they're um, males and females who must combine their gametes to create an offspring. And this is just how it works. There's no case of a third gamete in any species. There are like clownfish that can, change sex throughout the course of their lives. There are flatworms that can produce both gamete types. Uh, So those examples only still illustrate that there's only male and female, but in mammals, you are either male or female. You cannot change sex over the course of your life. and And there's no cases, and I've looked very hard and many people have looked very hard, there may be one questionable case in the literature in which an individual produced viable sperm and eggs. Uh, And I don't believe that case, I don't believe that that case exists. If you understand the endocrine system and the control of gamete production, again, that's sperm and eggs, it's almost impossible for a um, testis and an ovary at the same time to be stimulated by testosterone and estrogen to produce viable gametes. If that were the case, then that person would, you could potentially say maybe that person is truly intersex, is both both male and female. But that doesn't mean that's a third sex. It's just has female traits and has male traits. So there are cases, so here's where the confusion lies. There is that probably... Uh, a com one of the most common uh, DSDs in males who are competing in the female category, and there are some prominent examples of these um, athletes. They're overrepresented by about 140 times compared to the prevalence in the uh, general population. They tend to be overrepresented in uh, elite sports because. These are males who, I won't get into the endocrinology, but I'm happy to, uh, if you want an explanation, these are males. Who, <laughs> they, they, Right, right. Thank you. They can't produce a certain enzyme that converts testosterone into DHT, which is a more potent androgen. 
that androgen is necessary for the development of the penis in utero. So if it's not present, sort of the default state is something like a vagina, which does not connect to a uterus because there is no uterus in males. Although it's possible if you don't have androgen action that you end up with external genitalia that look female, but everything else is male. The brain is male. There's internal testes that never descend into a scrotal sac. This is called 5-alpha reductase deficiency syndrome or 5-ARD. It it appears that this is uh, what Castor Semenya, the DSD that Castor Semenya had. And there's pretty good uh, documentation on that. And the problem arises because this person is, if uh, born in a, you know, potentially remote area without um, sort of modern medical care, these people might be sexed as female at birth and then raised in a female social category. Uh, but most of them actually end up transitioning in puberty to living as a male because they feel very masculine. They tend to feel like a, a typical male because they've had masculinization of the brain in utero. So that is an example where people will say, look, if this person has something that looks like a vagina, well, that's a female characteristic. That person has male and female traits. So that's an intersex person. No, that is a male who has an underdeveloped, uh, underdeveloped, say, external genitalia because of an enzyme deficiency. This is a male. Uh, so that is the body plan to produce gametes. And their evolutionary biologists understand why that's important because it explains if you have the body plan to produce gametes, you have different sexual and reproductive strategies than those of us who have body plans to produce ovaries. We have different kinds of hormones, which are reproductive hormones, testosterone and estrogen. Those hormones shape not only our reproductive system, but also our brains and our secondary sex characteristics, like either having you know breasts and wide hips and more fat, or having a larger body size, more muscle, um, and facial hair and a deeper voice. Those are all about reproduction, and those are all about the differences in hormones. So people, so males with that particular DSD have all of those other masculine traits. And uh, so intersex, first of all, is not a helpful term. These are clearly males. You can be a female and have high testosterone. We all know that there are females who transition to living as males and they raise their testosterone. That doesn't make them male. They're still females who just have high testosterone. You can be a female or uh, who has a penis, something that seem, you know looks like or functions as a penis constructed. That doesn't make you male. That makes a female who's had a certain, who's had a phalloplasty. So there are traits that are associated with sex that are associated with the body plan to produce eggs or sperm. And those traits vary. But sex is just one or the other, and you're stuck with it forever. So I don't know if that helps. No, it does. It helps me even, right? Because I think as a society, we hear this term intersex. And again, speaking for myself, especially, um, I I would entirely would have considered Castor Semenya intersex. And and maybe that's, you know, an umbrella term. But having you explain it in the way that you did to where... It presents as a, a female anatomy, right? But it's really an underdeveloped penis. 
that that makes yeah, people a lot don't like some sense. people really bristle at, at that it's it's the genital tubercle early in uterine development if exposed to testosterone basically will develop into the penis if not exposed it stays something that looks like the clitoris and it's sorry it's not testosterone it's actually dat it's it's derivative of testosterone and what look like labia that all males and females have early in development they're called the genital folds those will develop into scrotal sacs. So scrotal sacs are like sort of elaborate um, labia and you have to have DHT to develop those. If you don't have DHT, you're stuck with the labia. So you have you end up with what is, you know, does have a vaginal opening and that seems like a vagina. Um, and I just want to say these DSDs, these people need medical care. You know, they have health issues, they have social issues. So, you know, it's hard to just talk about this as like these people are pawns in this game, but these are people who have these differences or in some cases disorders that really are, you know, can be quite serious um, medically and socially. So we should treat these people with respect and compassion and dignity and they, you know, need the right health care. But for sports, it's a little bit like the transgender issue where you have to face biological reality and it can be unpleasant uh, in, in many ways, but it's necessary if we want to have fair sports to talk about the biological reality. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's incredibly interesting. And so I guess my question for you, these guidelines that are being pushed by the International Olympic Committee or the NCAA or the National Women's Soccer League or these different sport governing bodies, they have specific levels of testosterone, right? And this is mumbo jumbo to a lot of people, including myself, um, when they were telling us, you know, men can, or I guess males can compete against women if they've reduced their testosterone levels through HRT to a level of 10 nanomoles per liter, for example, which was the, the guidelines for the IOC at the time. Um, and I think it's still for the for the women's soccer league. And so my question for you, can you help us make sense of what these numbers mean? Um, so what the average range of a, of a female's level of testosterone versus the average level of a man's testosterone? Yeah, that it's a really good question. So I just want to say that these rules are predicated upon the idea that fair play could potentially be achieved if males who transition to living as females by reducing their testosterone, uh, the, if they reduce their testosterone, then that, that would mitigate the testosterone induced advantages that are largely accumulated during puberty, right? So that's when males really start to outperform females because of a testosterone, um, high testosterone puberty. So the idea is then if they reduce testosterone, then that it'll be an equal playing field or close to an equal playing field. So there's no evidence for that, first of all. So, but then the regulations, the, the initial regulations were that males would have to reduce their T levels to about 10 nanomoles um, per liter. And the typical female range is actually only about 0.1 or 0.2 to around two nanomoles per liter. It is minuscule compared to what the range of males, which the lower end of that range is about 12, right? So that is many times the upper range, the 
very upper range of the female level. And then the high end for males is around 30 to 40 uh, nanograms per liter. And that all depends on the age, you know, age uh, of each sex, because obviously it varies over age. Um, and I just want to say some people argue, and I think disingenuously, um, <laughs> that there is great overlap between the testosterone levels of males and females. There's no overlap in healthy uh, people who don't have like a testosterone secreting tumor or who especially male athletes who dope, they can increase their testosterone through doping. And then when they stop doping before a competition, they have gained all of the benefits from uh, training with artificially high testosterone levels, then they can uh, stop doping so that when they take their drug test, they have relatively low levels. They can even, ha- even have levels in the female range because doping shuts down the axis in your brain that controls testosterone production from your testes. So there you might have some evidence of overlap in testosterone levels, not because females are high, but because sort of too many males are in the female range. And that's generally because of disorders or doping. You have to be suspicious if you hear claims that there's overlap uh, in the levels. But the levels that were required of like 10 nanomoles per liter is ridiculous because first of all, the males still retain their advantages um, that they benefited from in puberty. And they get to have many times the current level of testosterone, uh, many times more than females have. So that's ridiculous. Even five is ridiculous. Even two is ridiculous. Any male who's gone through male puberty, (laughs) if they shut down their testosterone to nothing, they on average, you know, if they're an elite athlete, will still retain an advantage over a female. Wow. Yeah. No, females in general. Yeah. 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 So these, these levels, um, again, for the people who don't understand, if you're saying 10 nanomoles per liter, that's that's 10 times essentially or, yes. around. Yeah, oh, or times. more, or more, often oh much gosh. more. It can be 20 or 30 times. Yeah, and, and that's what people don't realize. And, and and understandably, right? We're not meant to understand those terms unless we've we've done the training and, and the right. school that you have done, right? So that's yeah, that's that's incredible. So what about HRT? Um again. In my experience at the NCAA, the guidelines changed to where it's it's merely 12 months of hormone replacement therapy for a male to be able to compete in the women's category is 12 months of HRT. I know you mentioned previously that there's no amount of HRT, but but 12 months, what does that look like? Um, I, I think that we can acknowledge it reduces performance a little bit um, because you are losing some of that that, that muscle. Yeah, yeah. So so what does that look like? Um and, and, and another question I guess I have is, is it dangerous for men to reduce their testosterone levels when, when you are on average around somewhere within that 20, 30, 40 range for men, if you're asking men to get below five nanomoles per liters, is that dangerous for them? So I'll just, I'm not sure we have time to answer the dangerous part. Um, but I do want to make clear that first of all, um, Emma Hilton and Tommy, Tommy Lumberg have done a great uh, review paper that shows very clearly all of the available evidence from uh, research that had been done previously, 
on the effects of uh, adult males suppressing testosterone on the physical parameters that would affect sports performance, like muscle mass, strength, hemoglobin, et cetera. So the idea would be that, first of all, I just want to say in male puberty, testosterone goes up, you know, it could be 10 to even 40 times that of female levels. And it causes the energy that we take in from food to be used to um, develop muscle over fat and uh, estrogen does the opposite. And so as an athlete, as a female athlete, you have to carry more dead weight where males are carrying uh, far more muscle. So there's an advantage right there in terms of lean body mass. That's, an, you know, for the same height and weight, if you have more lean body mass on average, you go, you're going to um, win at, you know, beat females in most sports, right? And that, that's a, a large difference in lean body mass and strength. And the, you know, upper body strength can be around 60% higher in males. Like that's a massive advantage in many sports. So there's height advantages. So it depends on the sport, you know, what particular trait is going to give somebody an advantage, but there's a height advantage that is a testosterone mediated. There is bone density advantage, testosterone mediated, muscle mass, much greater muscle mass, uh, grip strength, different sort of uh, bone structure that can aid in throwing uh, speed and power, especially uh, heart and lung volume. And what did I forget? Um, so strength, strength, speed, and power, right? These are all testosterone mediated. That's what happens in puberty. And there is something like a muscle memory going on so that in adulthood, if you block testosterone, you don't lose all of that muscle mass and suddenly put on female levels of fat. What we have learned from all the research is that males who block testosterone in adulthood lose in a year on average, 5% of their muscle and strength. What does go down to female levels fa fairly quickly is hemoglobin. And that does make a big difference in VO2 max um, and power essentially and endurance. And that's important, but it doesn't mitigate the 10 to you know 50% advantage that males have over females on average in sports. It will uh, reduce the advantage, but it's not a fair playing field. You you don't reduce height, you don't reduce lung volume, you don't reduce bone density, and you certainly don't lose the entire uh, strength advantage and power advantage. So it doesn't work. And it's just sort of obvious to pretty much everyone, I think, and the science backs <laughs> it up. Well, I can tell you from my own experience, you mentioned <laughs> women feeling like they were carrying dead weight. Yes. <laughs> there were more times than not when I swam, I felt like I was carrying dead weight. So maybe this is my excuse, right? <laughs> um, but Dr. Hooven, I know you have to run. We could talk about this forever, merely just because I'm super interested. Um, I, I think this is incredibly captivating and you did such an amazing job of explaining it. And, and really we couldn't be more grateful for you and, and more importantly for your stance and standing for the truth. Um, and just very briefly plug your book one more time. I, I oh, great. To read this. this is an amazing book. 
Um, and, and let us know where we can find you on social medias. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. It's, um, there's a different cover in the UK and a different title, but it's basically, um, T the story of testosterone, the hormone that dominates and divides us. I'm on Twitter at, at Hoovlet, H O O V L E T. I'm on Instagram, carol.hooven and follow me on Instagram because I, I want to start posting and maybe I'll be inspired if I get more followers. And that's about it for social media. I'm on Carol. I have a website that I need to update, uh, carolhooven.com. And Carol Hooven is C-A-R-O-L-E-H-O-O-V-E-N. Thank you, Dr. Hooven. <laughs> we will see each other in a few days. 